The following is audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you would like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org. Skillful Living, Studies in Proverbs. Today we're talking about your blessed life. And um, I think that's an important concept. We said that we define wisdom as skillful living that honors God. The word chokmah in Hebrew is used of skilled craftsmen who built the tabernacle. And God had gifted them to do this. And so in like manner, God gives us skill to live a life that honors him. Now I want to ask you a question as we get started. How would you describe a blessed life? You know, I think all of us want our kids to be blessed, right? We, we want them to have happiness. We want them to have joy. We want them to celebrate. Um, it really doesn't matter what car they drive, where they go to school, you know. There's a lot of things that seem very important, but really ultimately are not as important as knowing Jesus Christ. That, that's really what we desire for our kids more than anything else as a Christian parent. And um, God blesses wise people. The Lord Jesus Christ was the most blessed because he lived a perfect life and he acted wisely as we read from Isaiah today. Really, the Psalms begin, you know, blessed is the man. And really, the one who really fulfilled that perfectly is the Lord Jesus Christ. The rest of us have some measure of blessing, but because of sin, we are not as blessed as he was. And while we sing and say, thy will be done, sometimes we walk away, but he forgives and restores and gives us new opportunity. It's very interesting because the word blessed in the scripture, we're going to read a little portion from Proverbs chapter 3. And then we'll go back to the beginning of the chapter for our study this morning. The word blessed is used seven times in Proverbs. It's used 26 times overall. And it means to be happy. It really does mean that. But it also means this is a person that's to be congratulated. They have lived a life that honors God. They are to be recognized this past week, we recognized Dave Brucher. Now, I tell you, we had a fun time. And as I sat in the room and just listened to people appropriately recognizing the gifts of our brother Dave and his wife Nancy, it just was a blessing. Blessed. Proverbs 3.13 says, are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. So the bookends of the passage are this, is this word blessed. 
Solomon explains the practical value of wisdom in six areas of our lives in Proverbs 3, 1 to 12. Now, that's really dangerous. Six? Pastor, really? But it's my birthday, so, you know, be calm. Six areas of our lives. This is such a great chapter. I love Proverbs chapter 3. You've read it many times. Some of these verses are going to be really familiar. But I want you to pretend that you've never heard it before. Like that this is the first time you ever studied and looked at these words. The first area is this, skill in listening, be intentional. My son, and he says my son 24 times in the book of Proverbs. He is speaking to his children. Very personal. My son, do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. The content, he says, is my teaching, my commands, my teaching. It is the Hebrew word Torah, which is used to describe the first five books of the Old Testament and often referred to by Jewish people. The laws of conduct, his commands, as a father, he commanded his children. And this word command is used 10 times in Proverbs. It's used for the instruction of a father to a son. It's used for the instruction of a farmer to his laborers. It's used of the instructions of a king to his servants. It reflects a firmly structured society, my lexicon says, in which people were responsible to their right to rule by God's command, that is the king's. The leader then was in position to command the people and to expect their obedience out of respect. Yes, look at what the people said to Joshua, Joshua 1.16. They answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we will do, and wherever you send us, we will go. Now, unfortunately, they didn't make good on that promise. They took a congregational vote, which was a bad idea. Oh, that was before this. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, there's a right to command. There's an obligation of parents to give teaching. And the children are to listen to this. Look at the verbs. He, he says, do not forget. Which doesn't mean that you forget in the sense that it's out of your mind, but that you ignore it. That you disregard it. And he says, don't do that but instead keep it in your heart. Guard it like a soldier guards the city. Protect it like a shepherd protects his own sheep. That's the way that verb is used in other places. Keep it in your heart, which is the control center of your life. Really, when the Old Testament word uses heart, it's really not speaking of the organ, of course. It's speaking of your soul. It's where you make decisions. It's how you live your life. Keep my teaching and my instruction in your heart. Let it be the guide for your decision making and for how you live. And as a consequence, he says, you will be given long life with multiplying peace. Wow, that is amazing. They will prolong your life many years and bring you or increase, add peace upon peace. Shalom, uh, speaks of completeness and wholeness. And that's why the NIV chooses to add the word prosperity. It, it, it affects every part of life. Now, these are not hard and fast rules. There are good people who die young. 
All right, we know, we know that. But in general, as he looked over life, and that's the way the Proverbs are written, he says, I've seen something. You know, people who really listen and keep in their heart the true commands of God live longer. They have peace. Now, again, that, that, that's a very interesting statement. In fact, what I really want us to point out is, look at verse uh, 9-11, for through wisdom your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. But look at 12-28. In the way of righteousness there is life. Along that path there is immortality. Hallelujah. See, everyone who really is acting and living in wisdom is going to enjoy being together forever with the Lord and with others. That, 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 that's really the ultimate blessing, is it not? Isn't that the ultimate blessing of a long life? It's a profound observation because there's a lot of voices. There's a lot of voices to listen to. And Solomon is just pouring out his heart, and he does this again and again in the book. But my son, please keep my commands, my teachings in your heart. Skill in listening, be intentional. Secondly, skill in reputation, be honest. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. The virtues that he mentions are love and faithfulness. Very beautiful twin virtues. Surely goodness and mercy, similar words, will follow you all the days of your life, Psalm 23 says. Follow actually means hunt you down. God's love and faithfulness keep hunting us down. Hallelujah. And there's vitality in this because of look at the verbs. Never forsake, similar to what we saw earlier in the, in the last verse. Don't forsake, don't abandon Bind them around your neck. Keep them accessible. Keep them ready. Kind of like your iPhone. You know, keep it right with you. It's amazing how I leave the house and I'm, I, I go into panic. I don't have my phone. That's ridiculous. I never thought like that. Okay. And write it on your heart. Write this on your heart. When God spoke through the prophet Jeremiah. And Jeremiah in chapter 31 talks about the new covenant. Listen to what he says. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant, brand new, never been seen before, with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ultimately, in heaven, that will be our experience. But Jeremiah is saying, this is an experience you can enter into while you're yet on the earth. Let God write his word on your heart, and then what's it going to be like? You'll live a life of favor with God and with other human beings. That's pretty amazing, isn't it, huh? Then you will win favor, grace, and a good name in the sight of God and man. Now, I 
always respect the words of Abraham Lincoln, don't you? This is what he said, character is like a tree and the reputation like the shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. If you're a person of character, the shadow will take care of itself. Really, ultimately, whose opinion really matters the most? God's. If you're pleasing him, whether people recognize it or not, but in general, again, as we're going through Proverbs, these are general observations of life. People who live with love and faithfulness, don't leave it, put it around their neck, accessible, write it on their heart, they have a good reputation, generally speaking. A broad blessing to people of integrity. Thirdly, skill and guidance, be faithful. Oh my, these are such familiar words. <laughs> Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. NIV says, in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, I want you to imagine like you never heard that before. Like this is the first time you ever read that, right? Like that, that would be amazing because so many of us have memorized these verses, and, and we cling to God for guidance, and he wants to guide us, and he has a plan for us, and we're to be faithful. Trust. Not in yourself, not in others, but in the Lord with all your heart. Now, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestle with that sometimes. I have submitted and surrendered my life to the Lord, but there are times when in the midst of life, I'm wrestling with that, and so are you. But come back to the command. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In many ways, this is a contrast. You can either choose to trust in God, put all your weight upon God. The modern word for trust is a body slam. Wrestling hold, a body slam. That's why it's contrasted with lean not on your own understanding. See? It, my understanding, my ability to figure it all out. Now, that doesn't mean while I'm trusting God, I put my mind on the shelf. But I ask God by his spirit to guide me and lead me through his word and his spirit. But I'm ultimately trusting in him rather than leaning on my own ability to figure it all out. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Bring your knowledge of God into everything you do. Everything you think, everything, every decision, just bring your knowledge of God into that. You have a relationship with God, right? In Christ? Then bring that knowledge into everything. And he will direct your paths, make them straight. It also can mean make them smooth. If you live like this, even though you'll have problems and troubles, it'll seem smoother somehow because God is supplying you with grace and strength along the way. Now, I want to point one more thing out about that second verse. And this is really important, really. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Ways is the steps you're taking right now. Right now. Paths are what's yet before you. So if you want to know what God wants you to do in the future, walk with him today. See? Trust in him. And 
In all your ways, acknowledge him, every step you're taking, and then he'll make your paths straight in the future. Oh, man, no wonder we love this incredible verses. And grace is like WD-40. Like, isn't it great? Like, you know, like I thought, when my joints get bad, I'm going to start spraying WD-40 on my joints. I don't know if it'll help, but it sounds like it will. And then if that doesn't work, I'll use some duct tape. Anyway, God has a plan for you, personally. He wants to guide you, but you and I need to be faithful so we'll hear his guidance. Skill and health be worshipful. This is a very interesting combination of verses. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Take your vitamins. Make your doctor's visits. Right? But walking with God in wisdom will bring health to your body. That's very interesting. Again, this is... I mean, people get sick. I understand that. People die. But again, as he has observed life, Solomon says, you know, in general, when people are not wise in their own eyes, how many have gotten into trouble because of self-worship? <laughs> right? Fear the Lord. Worship him and shun evil. Stay away from evil. And what will it do? It'll bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Now, right here, I'm going to give you the King James Version because it's a very literal translation. Do not, do, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to your navel and marrow to your bones. To the umbilical cord. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Really, that is what the Hebrew says, and marrow to your bones, you know, to be strengthening your health. Again, the NIV kind of takes some liberty. But I think there's, Real blessing here. Shun evil. Turn toward God. Run towards God. That's what, that's what Paul told Timothy. Worship God and run towards God. If I wake up in the morning and say, I'm not going to sin today, and all I think about is sin, you know what I do? I sin. If instead I think about God and I run towards him, that helps. So it's a great Great lesson. Skill and health, be worshipful. Skill and wealth, we knew we were going to get there, right? Be generous. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Hmm. Again, as he's observed life, this is what he's seen. Honor God with your wealth. Glorify God with the stuff he's given to you, entrusted to you. Why the first fruits? Why is that important? Can I give to him at the end of the harvest? No, because if I give the first, I'm trusting God for the rest, right? That's why the first fruits are given and trust God for the rest. That's awesome. Honor God with your wealth. Then you'll be given more. <laughs> How about that? Again, as he's observed life, he's seen people that were faithful with a little are given more. Just kind of the way it works. 
Your barns will be filled with overflowing. Your vats will brim over with new wine. Again, he's observed life. This is what he's observed in life. We need to be careful about that. But we are to be like stewards or like children. Let's think about children first. Do you remember the Macedonians? Paul did. The church of Jerusalem did because they were poor, but they gave their stuff to Paul to give to the poor that were suffering in Jerusalem. I testify that they, that's the Macedonian churches, gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own, no coercion here, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Paul was collecting an offering to give to the poor in Jerusalem. And they exceeded our expectations. Now here's the secret. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. That's the key. All the stuff you call yours is really God's. He entrusted it to you. Invest it wisely and be generous like children or like stewards. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Yep, we're accountable. One day we're going to be held accountable. So skill and wealth, be generous. Skill in discipline be teachable. Now, this is at the end, okay? We've, we've journeyed through five. Now we're on number six. My son, again, he gets very personal, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke. Wow. Last week, we spent a lot of time on this word discipline, musar in the Hebrew. It's correction, it's instruction that tells us we were wrong and we need to get it right. And Musar is very important. He says, don't despise it. Don't disregard it. And then he adds, don't resent his rebuke. Actually, resent means loathe, abhor, hate it. His rebuke. Now, you're probably like me, you know, you get up in the morning or maybe at night and you read God's word and all of a sudden something just jumps off the page at you and you feel a rebuke. So many years ago when I was still a young man, <laughs> um, I worked in the grocery store and so I was a checker in the grocery store. So funny, my sister always wanted to be a checker at the grocery store. She ended up being a teacher. I ended up being the checker at the grocery store. I didn't check a lot. It wasn't that they didn't trust me. I just had other things to do, okay? So, but when I had to check, okay, in those days, we were punching numbers and pulling stuff through, and then oh, vegetables would come. Oh, my goodness. First of all, I had to know what the vegetable was. I had to know the difference between an artichoke and broccoli, Okay? right, because they're all different prices. And then at the back of my little stand, right, as I'm checking, there's a scale. Do you remember this? Oh, I hope you do. All right, so the, on the scale, you take the, the, the product, the, the vegetable, you put it on the scale, and then it's got these minute letters, and you have to know the price per pound, and then go across and look at where it comes down and put the price down. That's too much work for me. So I was really generous to all the people. And I felt so good about it. I'm like Robin Hood. <laughs> Who cares what Acme Market thinks? 
Then one day I'm reading in Proverbs and it says, you have to have honest scales. Oh man, that scared me to death. It was no more right for me to cheat the customer or to cheat the company. I needed to be a man of honesty, right? With balanced scale. So I worked harder at it. I learned the difference between artichokes and broccoli. (laughs) Don't loathe the rebuke of the Lord. Thank God that his word is still living and corrects you, corrects me. We need it. And that's what he says, be teachable. Be teachable. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father the son he delights in. Yep. It's all love. That's that's the bottom line. That's why God disciplines us. That's why he gives us these instructions. In many ways, this whole passage is like Deuteronomy chapter 6. If you look back to Deuteronomy 6, you'll find that it sounds very similar. And, um, and it's all there. Look at this. This is a really graphic picture to close with on this point. Whoever remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will suddenly be destroyed without remedy. So don't loathe it. Embrace it. Let God teach you through correcting. How many of us have learned through our losses? <laughs> Every one of us, right, have often learned more when we were corrected. So the conclusion is that wisdom is a tree of life. She's a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast will be blessed. And the tree of life is such a beautiful picture because it shows up in the Garden of Eden, right? There's a tree of life. And then they're not allowed to eat from the tree of life after they sin, and it's guarded actually. But then it shows up in Revelation that we'll all be eating from the tree of life one day as believers in the Lord Jesus. And we'll find out whether it's apples or peaches or whatever it is. Tree of life. So Proverbs uses this phrase, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and the one who is wise saves lives. Righteousness just is a tree of life. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life. John Wesley, you had a son. Amen? Amen. A longing fulfilled, right? Amen. God bless you with a son. He told your wife two years ago. Hallelujah. A longing fulfilled is like a tree of life. Mm, Beautiful. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Let us be people of soothing, healing words like a tree of life. I want to close by talking about this gal. She's beautiful. Did she live a successful life? Fanny Crosby. I just read her biography on the way to Hawaii. She was blind because as a baby, a newborn baby, a young doctor put the wrong medicine in her eyes and she lost her sight. So all of her life, she couldn't see. But she didn't resent God for it. She lived, as you can see, 95 years. On her tombstone it read, she has done what she could. Boy, did she do a lot. She wrote hymns. She wrote poetry. Even as a blind little girl, when she got sent to school, 
the principal wanted, to, wanted her to learn arithmetic. She hated arithmetic. She didn't understand it. She didn't know what it was about. She wanted to write poetry. Finally, the principal gave in. And actually, the school itself was elevated because they had this dear, young, blind girl who's spitting out poetry left and right. She couldn't write it down. She had to recite it, and then somebody else would write it down. Her whole life, she's spitting out poem after poem after poem. She was connected with a Christian publisher, and sometimes they would give her the music, and then she'd write the poem, or then she'd write the poem, but they never paid her much. They really didn't. She lived a poor life. She died in the middle of the city, ministering to prostitutes, drug addicts, and she's blind. Now, right near the end of her life, some of her friends went to the publisher and said, you know, you've cheated her all her life. You really should give her a salary. So at the end of her life, she had more money than other seasons of her life. The funny thing is that whatever she was given, she's given it away anyway. Blessed life. So in 1875, she wrote a little poem. All the way my Savior leads me, what have I to ask beside? Can I doubt his tender mercy, who through life has been my guide? Heavenly peace, divinest comfort, here by faith in him to dwell, for I know whatever befall me, Jesus doeth all things well. All the way my Savior leads me, cheers each winding path I tread, gives me grace for every trial, feeds me with the living bread. Though my weary steps may falter and my soul athirst may be, gushing from the rock before me, lo, a spring of joy I see. She so often talks about sight. Again and again, she talks about seeing Jesus. And for her, the first sight would be Jesus when she died. Isn't that amazing? She talks about it again and again and again, even though she was blind. All the way my Savior leads me, oh, the fullness of his love. Perfect rest to me he has promised in my Father's house above. When my spirit clothed in mortal wings its flight to realms of day, this my song through endless ages, Jesus led me all the way. She wrote that song because she needed some money. She prayed to the Lord for the amount of money she needed. Somebody she didn't know, and again, she's blind, knocked on her door and gave her the exact amount of money that she needed. All the way, my Savior leads me. I want to ask you, did she live a blessed life? <laughs> yes, she did. And even though it was not easy, even though it was hard, even though she suffered from blindness all her life, she lived a blessed life. Our Savior weeps. He bleeds. He knows what it's like to suffer. Don't mistakenly think that a blessed life is a life with ease and comfort, because it isn't. But God in his grace supplies all that we need, right? It's always sufficient. WD-40. So let's live a blessed and blessable life of wisdom. And what are we doing this month? Well, we're reading one chapter every day of the book of Proverbs. Don't worry, it's only July 2nd. 
So if you forgot yesterday, you can make it up easy. Chapter 1 and chapter 2 today, and then one chapter every day for the whole month. And may God speak to us through his word and through his spirit that we might live wise, skillful lives that honor him. Dear Lord, thank you for the blessing of being together today. Oh, how we have been richly blessed through the music we sung through the prayers that were offered, even through the greeting and, of course, the Lord's Supper and now the preaching of your word. Father, help us as we go forth on this great weekend where we celebrate our freedom here in America. Let us live free in Christ. Because when the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Amen and amen and amen. Let's stand for the benediction. I'll remind you that as you leave, you're going to give your benevolence offering. I don't worry about this because you're always so generous. It's always one of the most, most, I think we're generous to benevolence because we know it comes in, it goes right out, right? Thank you. Thank you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. May your whole body, soul, and spirit be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who promised is faithful. What? And he will do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You've been listening to audio from Fellowship Community Church in Centennial, Colorado. If you'd like more resources or want to support this ministry, please visit www.fcchurch.org.